0: This is a Headgum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my god, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. uh, So you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com fakethenation fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the nation, episode two, This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we spread Christmas cheer through spirited kvetching about random topics. I am Nagin Farsad, your grand poobah of thoughtful, semi-thoughtful, and downright dumb chatter. Uh, And today, we're going to be dithering on about how being single is so damn expensive. We're going to talk about how there were maybe aliens in 2021. And also, we're going to just have like a little end-of-year wrap-up discussion. Uh, And I am so excited for the panel that we have assembled for this very task Um, Today we have joining us for the very first time uh, She's a writer for The Morning Show because she's fancy Um, She's also an actor on the new film The End of Us Which is now available on Amazon and iTunes Which you should absolutely see It is the one and only Allie Vingiano
1: Hey Allie Hi! Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Oh my god! And that's with our so- other guest, who I'll let you introduce, but then I- I'm, I'm also <laughs> a big fan of our other guest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this other guest makes elevates every podcast because she is the founder of the Abortion Access Front. She's the co-creator of the Daily Show. I have been on many, many a stage around the country with this woman, and I have just seen her do. Not not just polished material that kills, obviously she can do that, but I've also just seen her take that day's news and fucking riff it into a thing that seems like she's been doing it for months I mean she is that amazing it is the one and only Liz Winstead hey Liz
2: hi that's so nice it's all smoke and mirrors
0: (laughs) (laughs) and talent we'll also just throw in talent All right. well before we get into the show I just want to thank everyone who's joined the Patreon this year I mean I'm so just delighted by all of you for as little as one dollar a month, you can support the show for as little as $4. You could get bonus episodes, um, and then it it goes up from there with the free stuff that you can get. Um, This week, we uh, just posted a bonus episode with Hari Kandabalu and Shalewa Sharp. We have upcoming episodes coming uh, with Bob the Drag Queen. Uh, I mean, we are just going hard at these bonuses. They are super fun. You can support the show at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. You know, if your wallet is just like too thick with bills, and you just haven't been able to spend enough at Christmas. Uh, Here's one other way you could do it is supporting Fake the Nation. All right, so let's get into it with topic number one. So we wrote a piece in Vox um, called The Escalating Cost of Being Single in America by Anne Helen Peterson. Let's start with some stats from that piece. So as of 2021, 28% of Americans live alone. In 1960, that number was just 13%. In 1980, it was 23%. So it's definitely been trending upward. An additional 11 million households... Are headed by a single parent, a number a number that has tripled since 1965. And I have to just say, anecdotally, you guys, I don't know where you are with this. I know personally, three of my friends are single moms. Like they it they just they did the. Uh, the sperm and the thing and the whatever, you know, um, on their own. It wasn't even, it's not even like a divorce situation. They just like went into it by themselves. And I, I just, I'm, I'm surprised by that number, heartened. Uh, they're a part of the, uh, the fam and I love them all. Um, but I just, I always been like, wow, I can't believe I know three women who have done that. So do the statistics read to you in your own lives and what you see with your friends and family?
1: Yes, totally. I feel like, especially when I lived in New York, When I was younger, people were like, "As soon as I meet a guy, I'm gonna my hetero lady friends. As soon as I meet a guy, I'm gonna move into like, like I just need my rent is way too high. Like I just need to split my rent. Like it seemed like the reason people wanted to meet was real estate, so that their
2: (laughs) rent could go
0: down. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: I, I mean, I've I've always been single, and I've never been married, and I've only lived with a partner once, and so this really speaks to me, just because. It is really expensive. And, you know, it's also like we can talk about the financial costs that are like obvious, but it's what you're paying for is everything that you share with a partner on top of it. Right. So, like, I have to pay a dog walker because I can't split the dog walking, you know, Mm. with partner like I'm always having to like go get every single thing that I like pick up the dry cleaning. Like every single thing is go it alone. And if you don't have someone to share those um, responsibilities with, it's all on you and you end up paying folks to help you because it's completely unreasonable, especially in the, you know, my whole career has basically also been just like rapid response and, and, and like 16 hour a day, like blah, blah, blah. So there's no, there's no way to do that, you know. On the weekends, I just want to lay around. I don't want to have right. to go do all the errands that regular people do with their partner, and then we'll go have mimosas. I'm like dying fire. What are you talking about? Like, I don't know what that means.
0: <laughs> um, well, and 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 so, the, and you you talked about some of the costs, like. This article didn't even mention like something like a dog walker. If you live alone, you have a dog and like what is what happens with that? Um, You know, the article talked about some of the big ticket items like rent and mortgages and all of that stuff. I mean, it's just a completely different scenario when you're when you're coupled and both people are working, all of those costs go down. And, you know, the thing that I thought was really interesting is that the central, um, tension in the piece is this that single people should in theory uh this is according to to the article be the purest embodiment of american values of self-sufficiency and individualism um the Uh, that they're not speaks to the fact that we don't venerate the individual. We venerate the individual family, Uh, just like uh, everything, the way we set up. And I I imagine this is probably true in other in some other countries as well, that like we just set things up and we build policy to encourage marriage to, you know, the whole thing about mortgages, you know, up until like 19... I don't remember what, 30-something. We all paid individually. We filed our taxes individually. Um, And we, by the way, had a much higher rate of taxation uh, on on income at that time. But, you know, we we started doing this filing jointly thing because people were trying to cheat out of paying the full thing by giving half of their income to, the, you know, there was, there, people were doing shenanigans. Um, and so we sort of ended up accidentally in the tax code promoting marriage in that way, but pr- marriage was already really super popular um, slash patriarchy was super popular. So, uh, so that kind of happened anyway. Um, we, okay, so here's the thing. We don't call women spinsters anymore, but do we secretly do that in other ways? Go ahead, Allie. Yes. No, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what struck me most from this article
1: is like how much the system is built to screw over single people, and the fact that like, and I just changed my car insurance because I was on my own car insurance paying so much money, and I like put it on my partner's, and I literally I'm spending like a hundred and fifty dollars less a month. I was on too expensive car insurance. Um, so it's like the whole system is built so that if you're married, you get all these tax breaks, like you get all of, and even like what struck me was about like the disability insurance and like. Other social programs where it's like being single is so much like shittier economically that they assume or they assume marriage will benefit you so much that they're like, once you're married, you don't need these things anymore. And that prevents other people that prevents a lot of people from getting married.
2: And there's also studies that have been done that um, when you are single after a certain age, um that is a uh, flaw in your character and it's harder to get work. Like people will assess like, why hasn't that person been married? Yeah. Do they not play well with others? Are they not someone who can yeah. understand this uh, life work balance? Are they somebody who is, uh, are those kind of things? But you know, and it used to be, and I don't know what the statistic is now, but there used to be like a thousand tax breaks that married people would get that single people didn't qualify for. And also being single, like let's take the money out of it and just talk about like, the the character assassination. Um, I am constantly like that's one of the big trolls on social media for me. It's like, oh, you don't have a guy and you're old. And it's like, oh, so I'm see, I'm not in a terrible marriage and I just keep being alive. Like that's 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 the this. Like, wow, me that me waking up every day and breathing. Uh, I am I am shattered. How will I how will I go on <laughs> even thinking that of me? You know, but yeah.
1: And if if you were married to a man, it would probably like be like, oh, like you're not a feminist. You're married. Like I feel like yeah. that's something that happens to a lot of women <laughs> right. too. And it's right. like, what am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> there's no
0: winning. There's no winning. Wait. So can we- okay, I want to talk about the thing that isn't really popular anywhere for single people, which is communal living I've I've mentioned this on the show before I don't understand first of all when I was single when I had resigned myself to like there was a time where I was like looking for a man, you know what I mean? And then, and uh, and I just was like, no, no, I'm going to be uh, complete when I find a man, you know? And then there was a time where I was like, I had been with so many terrible dudes that I realized that, oh, it's actually so much better to be single than to be with just someone that, you know, I'm settling for. And so when I had reached that point, I, I said to myself, I fucking love having roommates. I always loved it. I was great at having roommates. It was fun. I got along. I mean, you know, there was like one roommate that like I didn't love, but anyways, she ended up moving. It was fine. Like, I just, I don't know if I was lucky or I'm easy to live with or whatever it is. I just actually... Loved having roommates. And I thought to myself, cool, I'll just be the person that has roommates forever. And then uh, society will catch up to me and think it's cool. Um, why don't we think it's cool? Like, what is this thing about if you're single, you have to have your own apartment. You can't live with your parents. Like, no, live with your parents. That sounds awesome. <laughs> like, I don't understand no, Let me it. tell you,
2: Nagin, I just bought a house with two friends oh, in Minnesota. That. That's my, yes. So, um, friends who I've known forever And, um, it's, they have been a couple for a jillion years. We have been super close and, um, I am so excited because I was born in Minnesota and I live part of the time in Brooklyn. And so now I'm part of the time here and I wanted to be able to be in a space where I was having a communal, um, relationship, love, and also to be able to, um, we just bought the house they were living in. And so it's totally furnished. It's totally great. They have everything. They're there full time. I come in um, a couple of times a year and it gives me that sense of, um, of space and familial fun that I think I was lacking being single for so long. Sometimes you do become kind of a single weirdo, you know, I (laughs) know, I don't know. There's nobody to bounce this off of. So I think that, Sometimes I think that's not great.
0: Allie, what do you think?
1: It's also fun to like be around other people. Community is such an inherent thing that we all crave. And even in a relationship over COVID, I was like, oh my God, it's like one person. I need more people. Like this is not enough. Like I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) Like So I think that there's this attitude. Like if you live here with your parents for too long, like you're weird. That's most cultures like around the world. That's a lot of cultures here in the US that people have like. That's I would not say spe- that-
0: especially Western, you know, Western cu- cultures, it's it's considered weird.
1: Right, right. But like it's also so many non-Western cultures mm-hmm. considered such a norm because I think there is a benefit yeah. to like having people around you and growing yeah. up in that space and like, yeah. obviously there's- more, way there's- more
0: intergenerational living everywhere else. I mean, in Iran, at my all of my family is out there intergenerational living. And
1: for a lot of people, their friends are their family and like live with your friends. Like that's I if I, I would not live alone, I, I think at this point, because it's like it's just more fun to be around people. So
2: and it's really great, too, if you can find that balance. Like for me, um, everyone here is like got different ways of the of things that they enjoy to maintain a household. And so it's really nice to have people who like doing the lawn and like doing stuff where I'm just like, I'm not going to be helpful with the lawn. Like I'm a disaster, you know? And so to be able to have that sort of chore aspect be where things fall into what we all like, it's really great. So yeah, I'm for communal living hard. I want to go hard on being team communal living.
0: Yeah.
1: I think something else is like, what you sort of touched on, Liz, is like a lot of people are in really, really bad relationships because either the system makes it so hard to leave or because they don't want to be alone. And I think like if we welcomed the idea that you don't have to be alone, like you can live communally, like there is another option. Being in a bad relationship is so much worse than being alone. And like, but society, like you're just in a relationship and you're hearing like all of the spinster like narrative stuff yeah and you're like I can't that's not an option for me and we have to like make it I would it would be cool if we if we made it more clear that it was
2: well and it's interesting too because my mom was super traditional and like I never wanted kids like from the get-go I knew I didn't want kids in that if you know that intrinsically about yourself how you choose partnering is very different Mm -hmm. right very different. And so my mom would always said to me. she literally said to me at one point, cause she was kind of a bitch. Um, <laughs> you, I think you should read something other than. Cont- Moms. Yeah. So, um, but, but, she, and she would always say like, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to feel when you are all of a sudden can't have kids anymore? I said, mom, if you assess the choices I've made in my life, do you see me like a re- person with regret? Do you see me as somebody making excuses and pretending I'm living a life I like because I really wish I had another one. I said, that is just not me. Like, I am thriving because I'm living my choices. And every day I wake up and I'm happy. And then when, when like, you know, set up shop, I'm using my uterus for storage happened. I'm like, good, I have storage. <laughs> like, that is not regretful at all.
0: Right. I mean, it's so, and it is, it's like, uh, it's very hard, I think, for that generation to understand, like, the, the, the. What it feels like to be able to live your choices, you know, it's like, and 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 I feel for them because they didn't re- they didn't have that, you know what I mean? Um, my mom didn't have that. The, I, I I have that in spades, and she do- she didn't have that. Like, and so the generational shift was huge, um, and it's like like really hard for them to understand sometimes, uh, even though it they're also proud and and happy to see you thrive. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on with that emotionally. But I also want to point out one more thing is like I have a friend who's married but like they live in um separate apartments and they weekend together. <laughs> And wow. Because, yeah, one of them like has a job in the Bronx and like it's, you know, he um, and she didn't want to have, an, you know, she lives in the East Village. This is all in New York City. So it's like, it, you know, and the, it's funny because both of these locations are in New York City, but it, you may as well be on two different planets. Right. Just like it, um, it would have, uh, you know, would have led to some commuting on, on his part. So they decided like, oh, so during the work week, you just stay in the Bronx and then on well, weekends in the East Village and it's like this, I mean the most delightful first of all pairing, they're just both utterly lovely, but it also just seems to be so great and functional and I'm sure some people will be like whoa whoa, why do they do that but it's like it once you know them you're like oh this is fantastic though why doesn't everybody do that you know what I mean it's like you know just like letting other forms of like living be okay would be awesome in general (laughs)
1: yes Yes. (laughs) And being alone is, like, rad. Like, I love sleeping in a big bed all by myself. Like, I feel like I'm more creative when I'm alone. I can just, like, zero in. I don't have to think about what anybody else. Like, I love traveling alone. Um, So if I could be alone for, like, even, like, four days a month, I think that would be. (laughs) 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 ideal
0: (laughs) basically there are arrangements that can be made in the new world order that satisfy everybody and we should start letting it happen that's my thesis for this the my conclusion for this segment um okay we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk about other things
3: HeadGum, it's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks.
0: And we are back, and we're ready for topic number two, which is a quickie. We're gonna hand it over to Liz. she's going to give us a little abortion update, and i I want to warn you guys, Amy, things haven't been great on that front. However, um, Liz is going to tell us you know, where we're at, what we can do, um, and what we have to still be hopeful about, Liz. Tall order, but I know oh, you can do it. It
2: is a tall order. Well, I mean, truth be told, um, Roe v. Wade will end in June. Everyone needs to be prepared that your constitutional right to abortion um, at 24 weeks is going to come to an end. The Supreme Court is not going to uphold it. Um, what does that mean? That means that that's really scary. And that means that um, almost hundred million people of reproductive age will not have access to care in the state they live in. That's pretty astounding. Um, what? So that's like sort of the big, larger, scary, sad stuff. Um, how we can d- change it is I think we have to stop saying, I'm going to get involved and get involved. And the best defense that we have right now is to really self-examine what's going on in your own state around abortion who are the who are the people that are pro-choice that you can help get elected even if you don't live in the districts get rid of some of these monsters help people get good people in because we have to Um, all these laws come out of the state house. I think people don't realize whether it's, you know, marriage equality, whether it's guns, whether it's voter suppression, abortion, this is all state stuff, right? And you have so much more access to your state senators and state reps, super important to find out who they are, um, get to know your neighbors and start working really hard on getting people elected and holding them accountable because I think for years, we've kind of skated and we've said that this is a woman's issue and women need to fix it. And we all know that's not true. It needs to be a human rights issue that happens to, you know, some people can get pregnant and some people can't, and we need to defend them all. I would also say to my dude friends out there, like now's the time you probably haven't known what to do because we've been terrible at asking you what to do. But the truth be told, every guy I know and every woman I know um, has shouldered the the birth control burden financially, another single thing, Um, and also has everyone benefits from abortion. You know, if you were in a relationship with somebody that you didn't want to like settle down with and have kids with and and the person you were with had an abortion and you both went on to do what you wanted and fulfill your dreams and your destinies, thank abortion, thank birth control and thank them by like stepping up and and joining in the fight. I run an organization, Abortion Access Front. We have a myriad of things that we give folks that they can do on our website. You can help support the clinics in your community. That's giant, showing up for them and saying, I'm gonna defend you and, and let my community know you matter and make sure that you're normalized in the community. That's super awesome. Finding out in your community who the legislators are. And if you have good ones, finding the bad ones and helping helping make sure that those people Get out of dodge, um, and also, and this is really important: um, work hand in hand with voter suppression stuff because voter suppression yeah. is really the issue that is the snowball cascading effect for all the rest of it. So, when you're looking at your state and you're looking to see who's running for your Secretary of State in your state, that's the person that certifies the elections. So, you want to make sure that some really good person. Gets that job, and so that they're not going to be swayed by doing recalls and doing a bunch of garbage shenanigans. Um, you have the power to make sure that a really good person gets elected. So I and hope maybe and
0: maybe you're that really good person, huh? Listener really of Fake the Nation, I don't know. That's you right. know, what's, maybe but that's it is you. so true, Liz. The thing about like access to your state reps. Is so much higher than access to a congressional person. Mm-hmm. I cannot. I mean, I my first of all, I I've had a couple of state. I have a couple of state reps right in New York City, and um, one of them literally gave me his cell phone number. Because he wanted me to text him in real time when I, when I was, I was like, there's a thing I want it dealt with. And he was like, you got to text me because I got to go see it. Like, and he lives in the area. So he literally, I texted him and he literally walked over to see a situation so that he could better like figure out how to deal with it on a lawmaker front. Right. And that's the kind of access you can get. I'm not saying your state reps are going to give you their cell phone numbers, but I'm saying like, that's what we're talking about is like, he does not have the throngs of people that like, you know, his equivalent in Congress does or Senate. And so, you know, we, I think as Americans put a little bit too much in what's happening at the federal level and not, and definitely, definitely not enough on what's happening at the state level. And I- I would say,
2: look at it as how you deal with your health care. If all you're doing is going to the doctor when you're sick, like, you know, the doctor is the federal government, you eating better, paying attention to yourself.
0: Yeah, that's a great
2: measure because all the ways that you keep your life healthy, that's your lower level government right and yes. make because you don't want stuff to get to that point if you have laws that end up going through a system lower court system trump set up and eventually a supreme court that trump set up it's not going to go well for you if you can prevent ahead of time the garbage people from getting elected in the first yes. place that you're being proactive and also and i cannot say this enough you have to let those elected officials know that they will not have jobs if they don't protect the reproductive health of the people in their community. And it's not just voting against bills, but proactively making sure that we're expanding birth control and abortion care, because it's part of life and it's part of healthy families and it's a moral choice that somebody makes in their, in their reproductive lifetime. And we have to reimagine um, how we talk about it. It's really important.
0: Um, I love that. Thank you. I, You know what? I knew you would bring us to a hopeful moment. Allie, do you feel a little bit more hopeful while also recognizing that the thing by June sucks?
1: I recognize <laughs> that the thing by June sucks. I've been feeling very <laughs> defeatist about it. And now I feel inspired. I'm like, okay, this is great. This is what I want to do with, you know, the next six months and hope Allie, hook up not just her. six months.
2: <laughs> <Yeah. I'm laughs> up. I mean, it's literally abortion access front. It's it's, it kind of goes back to everything we were even talking about in the earlier segment. Our goal is to create community. Our goal is to help you and your friends tan- make tangible steps and to understand where you can be helpful. You don't just send money to Planned Parenthood because you know what Planned yes. Parenthood is. Understanding, and this is what we can do, is we, right now, um, we have an adopt-a-clinic program where if you go to our resources page at Abortion Access Front, we'll hook you up with a clinic and their needs and um, all the stuff they have on a wish list. People can adopt them and help them and help them with patient aftercare um, packages that they take home and with, you know, heating pad warmers for all the stuff they need, they can't get. We can hook you up. They need it. Everybody needs work. So we can put you to work. We can get you fun stuff. We have fun events. You know, it's just like, how are we going to be together to sustain the fight? And by creating community and community events where we're in it and making change at everything we
0: do is key. And I do want to th- say that it is fun. Uh, I've done you stuff on Abortion Access Friends. It is fun. And like, the, that's part of the thing I think about being civically minded is that coming into it with an attitude of fun is also great. It's not it, like uh, against the process. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The um, hardest part
1: mm-hmm. is like just getting started. Like the yeah. hardest part is the just... Like sending the email or like figuring out what to do because I've tried to like you know do different charity related work. Not that abortion is charity. Um, but, like, do stuff with Planned Parenthood, even. And, like, that first part where you're like, wait, like, ha- like what? Like, no one who responds to your I email. At? And then you're like, yeah. wait, where do I go? Like, I have to hand these shirts out. Is that really going to help anybody? Like, right. it is hard at first. So <laughs> it's really cool to have this direction and, like, to know it's possible. Yeah. And I, I know nothing, really, Liz, so please correct me if I'm wrong. but And you know what? When, I, when we booked
0: of- you on this show, we were like, let's get someone who knows nothing and <laughs> throw her on. <laughs> <laughs> someone who knows nothing, and then someone who knows everything—it's a good
1: balance. Um, I one other thing that made me optimistic that I saw was that the, I saw like something about the FDA was legalizing abortion pills.
2: Is well, this here's, true? Yeah, well, so let me—you're—you're—you're um, you're, you're very close. So the abortion pills are legal, but because America doesn't want us to be great the second they became legal, they put these incredibly prohibitive restrictions on them that no other country that has the abortion pill has on them. So what happened was, which is really cool, and the restrictions were they put medication abortion in a category of medicine that is restricted for like 20 drugs that are so dangerous that only a doctor can prescribe them so the FDA said this is a political move what we've done now is we have allowed so um, licensed medical professionals can dispense them so not only just a doctor but an LPN or a nurse practitioner So that's really cool you'd no longer have to have them only in a clinical setting
0: amazing you do
2: telemedicine you can talk about it and you can get them so then now you can get them in some states. Um, through the mail or at your pharmacy. And so the good news about that is that that's amazing. Um, The part that's challenging and something else you can really fight with your legislators on, and this is huge, is the states that restrict abortion already had mechanisms in place to make sure that that access wouldn't be available. So saying we want telemedicine with 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 this drug, we want it in our state, we want to be able to get pills through the mail in our state would be a wonderful place for everybody to work because rural, like people who can't travel, people who don't have cars, people who like, it's really, it it was a game changer when it was invented in France, because bless France. Um, It should have been an emancipatory game changer for all of us in our reproductive freedom. And immediately our government made it not. It's safer than taking an aspirin. I want to say that again. It's safer.
0: Oh my God, that's amazing. Wow, it's safer than taking an aspirin. I want to sing that at the top of my lungs. I actually didn't know that Liz, my God.
2: Yes. And it's like, the thing about it is that if it's, people don't even really know that abortion medication exists, they think that you have to go to a clinic and have your, an aspiration abortion. And they think that it's like some other clandestine thing that you would do because we can't go to a clinic and have an abortion anymore. And I think that our reset is understanding that medication abortion is a way for you to, um, it's a two pill regimen. You take the first pill and then 48 hours later, you take the second one. One stops the pregnancy from developing. And the second one expels that pregnancy from your uterus. That is what happens. you t- it, it, it passes like a period, a heavy period, and you can do it at home. You can do it surrounded by whoever you want in bed with some tea and you know, watching succession, however you want to have it gets to be on your terms. And um, I feel like your abortion should always be on your terms, and then we should be fighting for everyone to be able to have their abortion on their terms.
0: Well, Liz, thank you so much for this update. This was really, really helpful and really uplifting. And I do like—I feel like yes, there is sadness, but also yes, there's stuff we can still do and hope to be had. And uh, you know, so this I also think,
2: Allie, like Ali, I'm so glad you brought up that. Allie, thank you for bringing. That. I was like. I am so steeped in a shit stew of like all the stuff that that's like a major thing that happened.
0: And so Allie, i um, sorry. I feel like you know stuff, bitch. But, stuff but with- yeah, <laughs> Allie, Allie, who knows one thing? Allie knows one thing. Um, yeah. Let us move on to topic number three. So we're gonna like close up. This is your pre-Christmas show. I did it. Um, you know, it, it's like uh, I want to approach it with the um, joy uh, and uh, dignity that it deserves. And so, one thing I, I was looking through like articles that. Sort of passed my um, attention in 2021, and one of one of them that people talked about was this article in the New Yorker about that apparently, and you know, in 2021 we were there's disputed evidence that we were um, visited by aliens you know and and I was like what I had no idea I mean there was the whole UFO thing which I think had did that happen in 2021 or was that 2020 there was a the whole UFO all the, the, the you know NASA saying like yeah we've seen UFOs like there's a ton of footage whatever you know and people were like yeah that's fine Um, But this, the the astrophysicist Avi Loeb, like, there was this thing, it was flying, it was hurling through the solar system, and it was zigzagging, and it was super weird, and it just was not moving in the kind of way that, like, regular comets and regular interstellar objects move. And so the one thing they, like, decided was that it's possible that it was, like, You know, moving that way because it was like manufactured by an alien. Basically, it was an object that was not um, not an accident of the stars. Uh, And I just was like, "Holy shit, that's crazy!" And the other one of the things this article talked about, which you know you should check out, it's um. It's. It was just. It's especially for the for the the nerds in you, uh, among you. uh, Check out this piece in the in the New Yorker. Um, It also talked about how, like, you know, we think of aliens as like being fully formed things you know but they could but more more likely they're just like algae or you know what i mean something like that so um my my question for you is uh in 2021 there may be aliens do you what do you think (laughs) okay first of all yes
1: there are aliens Nobody cared about this article because this is the most boring way to find out aliens (laughs) exist. I was like, are you kidding me? This article is so boring. It talked about like telescopes for three paragraphs. I was like, I had to read it twice to like fully understand what was happening. It was very (laughs) dense. It was a very dense
0: piece in The New Yorker. Yeah.
1: I was like, when when I was growing up, I thought aliens, like I like... I don't know, like Independence Day, like Arrival, Aliens Coming Down, huge story, everyone's (laughs) psyched about it. This was truly, I did not anticipate it to happen in such a boring way. It is, Um, it's like
0: there's (laughs) something about that, which is, which is, um, which is kind of like, I think a great metaphor for how we handle things, which is that we sort of think, we catastrophize everything right so we think of aliens and we're like they're going to come and they're going to independence day our lives and it's going to be an epic fucking battle or in the case of um you know arrival which is a beautiful film by the way i love yes. that movie um in the case of arrival they're going to come and we have to spend months decoding their language it's like it's a ch- it's a fucking chore right um this is like they they may fly through, and it's like there's some molecules right now. You know what I mean? And and that is, I think, it's, I think it's a metaphor for how we handle things because it's sort of like we, as I think, in in the clickbaity way that we live our lives, catastrophize everything. But what if it's just not a big deal? Like, what if we took the panic out of these concepts, out of the concept, and we're just like, oh, it could just be. You know, not a big deal and fine. Um, it, and sorry, it's not going to be the premise of a movie, but it's like maybe a better and healthier way to live psychologically.
2: <laughs> Liz, but I feel think? like if they're afraid of women and BIPOC people having power, aliens coming. is they, I feel like we don't, we're not set up for a white male power structure (laughs) to be accepting of yet another thing coming down possibly be smarter, more interesting and more fuckable than them. So I feel like that is like a huge problem. But second of all, it was so funny, like um, when you brought this story, I was like, oh, right, the aliens. I forgot about that. And then I was like, there was more stories about rich dudes going into space than, than having other people come from other places and visiting us. And I feel like,
0: that's a mirror story. Like any rich guy
2: can build <laughs> some kind of, you know, penis substitute and go into space and be like, look at me, I went into space. But like people coming to visit us and also we're just rude to them. Like why like can you not ever be nice to someone who's visiting you?
0: I know. Just build a welcome mat. I know, know. Like
2: offer them a boobly.
0: Do a little like, Persian like, hospitality, guys, <laughs> on your alien <laughs> algaes. Get a grip. Can All we, I can like,
2: say is no thank can, you. I'm lactose intolerant. What
0: is <laughs> so in in wrapping up 2021, what is it about 2021 that was such the year of billionaires in space? Like why what do you think happened that you know that got us that? Well, the
1: pandemic made them all, like, $400 billion richer. So, oh, that's that's probably so them. that probably helps <laughs> them. That helps, yeah. <laughs> like, the pa- like, they benefited from the pandemic so much on behalf yeah. of, like, everyone who was out of work and struggling. Yeah. And, yeah. like, they were like, I don't know. I need a new toy. I could let my, u- like, workers unionize. but Or I could build a spaceship. Is and there, is there they an, chose an equivalent
0: that thing, Allie, in your life that, it like, okay, the answer is if you had four hundred, mil- you know, Billion dollars or whatever you would do something really Constructive and awesome I know this about You you know one thing and you would Do something better for the world now assuming you have some money left over what is the ridiculous thing you would do that is the equivalent of a space program (laughs) you know what i mean like what is the is it you know like is it like everyone every man woman and child gets a really beautiful prada jumpsuit like what is the ridiculous i don't know thing that (laughs) that oh my god i'm putting you on the spot
1: I've never even conceptualized having this much money. Like, I am definitely the type of person who's like, yes, like I would end climate change and I would like, you know, um, but like what <laughs> I think, would I give so, to So
0: in in co- I'll tell I'll tell you guys something tell again. Me yours, this is yeah. dumb, dumb, dumb ideas, okay? But in college, I was in a sketch comedy troupe. Um, shout out Cornell, uh, and we would always talk about I don't even know whose ideas I think this is maybe one of a collective riff but we used to talk about having something like creme brulee day that would be a day where everybody would crack a creme brulee at the same time and so you would hear the crack around the world right of the crack of the creme brulee and that like in Yankee Stadium there would be just like a giant creme brulee this is so stupid. Guys, I'm spending hundreds of millions of dollars on this. I want you to be supportive, <laughs> all right? Um and we would crack this giant crème brûlée in Yankee Stadium uh with a huge spoon, right? Um and then, you know, and then people uh, throughout the city would eat crème brûlée for days. Uh so that is just one of <laughs> My, my the, uh, an idea I come I come back to twice a year. I think about cram, an International Creme Brulee Day, where you could hear the crack around the world uh, of the sugar shell. Um, Liz, what would you do with four hundred quadrillion uh, dollars after you fixed all of America's problems?
2: I would make a French fry that tasted exactly <laughs> like French fries. That would cure cancer. <gasps>
0: That's nice. I mean, but again, there is a helping the world element to that. But I guess the French Can fry you part imagine is that, ridiculous. The way
2: you could cure cancer is to eat one French hot fry. French fries. <laughs> I mean, that is, oh my God.
0: Right, right, right. I thought, like I it, thought you were going to
1: say
2: just. Yeah.
1: I thought you were gonna say I would just give everybody a French fry, and I was like, "That's really nice." (laughs) This added
0: element to it is pretty. Because
2: then, when I created the French fry, right, and that cured cancer, people would be like, "How do I get those fries?" And I'm like, "They're free if abortions are just let just let everyone have their abortions." So I'm gonna hang on to this whole thing, and then I'm using it to fix everything else. So, like for me, my thought is, what's the thing that everybody's gonna want? fucking hot french fries that cure cancer yes please then it's like maybe (laughs) if you get vaccinated Um, and let the abortions just continue i
0: just want to throw a a vote in for them to be curly seasoned fries never which are my favorite not ever wow they have to be classic
2: in my bit about people who (laughs) have to fuck with potatoes Like, for some reason, they need any of your goddamn help. A potato is fine. You don't need to curl it. You don't need to season it. You don't need to put whatever truffle oil is on it or Parmesan cheese. Let a potato (laughs) live its best life. It's like putting makeup on, like, a, a baby. Don't put makeup on a baby. That baby's beautiful. Why would you put makeup on a baby? Same thing. Sprinkling shit on it. I'm very opposed. I've gotten in fights with people. Oh my
0: God, this is, I, <laughs> like, I. I'm like looking at you know I've been such a fan of yours for so long and I don't want that to change Liz you know what I mean so
2: <laughs> look there's a point Nikki where we just have to meet in the middle yeah
0: yeah yeah and what we're gonna and have to decide be... is we're
2: never going for fries together Come
0: on, <laughs> do you do you not and it's and it's funny because we probably have eaten fries in the same room and yes. I just didn't and it and we've managed to like politely gloss over this yeah do you, where's your what your position on dipping into ketchup.
2: Oh, you have to dip into ketchup and mayonnaise sauce if you can find it, mm-hmm. and mayonnaise. I, I'm dip. I will dip a French fry into another French fry. I have so a big some of might dipping.
0: say that is your version of a of a seasoned fry. You know Some what I might, mean? And Some they might. would be wrong. Ketchup's okay, not gotcha.
2: sleeping, nor is it a vegetable.
1: <laughs> I'm uh, this is blowing my mind too. I'm pure, like, make it curly, put it in a box shape. Like, if the shape's more fun, I'm gonna yeah, have more fun criss-cross. eating it. <laughs> yes, totally. Like, totally. like the little, well, ones, well, like the totally little
0: checkerboards.
2: Yes, like, <laughs> brainwashed by Big Potato. Big <laughs> Potato has gotten me. <laughs> I feel like they've got their clutches into you. And I'm going to have to intervene with both of you privately. (laughs) I don't want to embarrass you. This is like a public show. Like, I don't want my rage to come out. So I'm like the Laura Ingram of potatoes. (laughs) I don't want to be that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you've you've cultivated a decent uh, level of respect among our listeners. Let's not ruin it. Um, yeah, you're gonna get a lot of hate mail about me. And let's end the show on. So the one thing I wanted to ask you both is a little bit in the spirit of topic number two is like it. Do you have? a new year's resolution for 2022 that is community oriented and I, and homework for fake the nation listeners. I know I've been giving you guys a lot of homework, by the way, thanks for sending me your um, suggestions for where I should be touring. I love them. Uh, and it makes me extremely happy when there's more than one person in a city. Cause then it like me, it's like, makes it much easier. Um, but your next piece of homework is like, what is your community oriented New Year's resolution? So many New Year's resolutions are really focused on the self. And I wonder what can we do that's focused on your, your community? And you, I I feel like I'll start by saying people of the Nation have heard me talk about uh, a park in the East Village, the Tompkins Square Park, which I go to all the time. It is a part of my everyday life. And one of my community, uh, resolutions is to, um, build a, a more formal my a formal, more formal role for myself with that park so I, i'm not exactly sure what that means yet but i li- literally started gathering contacts at the parks department to see what that means um i will keep people of the nation abreast of these um Movements. Maybe you have a park. Maybe um, I can uh, share share some of my uh, findings with you and and what I'm able to do. Um, and I would love to be able to do something to better this park in 2022. That is one of my goals. Um, but your goal can be really small. It can be about walking a neighbor's dog. It could be about supporting a local, you know, supermarket. I don't know. Thing. It doesn't have to be a huge a huge thing. What? Is, so tell me, um, Ally, Liz, what what do you got for 2022
1: my goal for 2022 is to get 400 million dollars richer and give everybody (laughs) in my community a creme brulee (laughs) and a big spoon (laughs) and we're all gonna just go ham Um, (laughs) i i would love to like get more involved in mutual aid in la i did in 2020 right when COVID hit and then i ended up going back to new york for a lot of the pandemic and um I when I came back to LA it just sort of fell like I just didn't really keep it up. So I would love to get back into mutual aid and like especially as the Olympics ramp up and policing, the homeless the unhoused population gets more intense here, like I think that is a community a part uh, something in my community here in LA that I would really like to do.
0: That's that's and, lovely.
1: Yes. And then on the sillier note, yeah. my neighbors this year, like I moved into a new place when we moved back and um the holiday lights are like unbelievable. Like Halloween Spiders everywhere oh, Like Thanksgiving Pumpkins yeah. Christmas Like everyone is so intense And I'm I just don't That's not something I've ever done So I'm like Next year I'm gonna try To Step ramp it up, it up for, for my neighbors Because it's nice It's
0: festive Everybody secretly loves it Even the jaded people <laughs> I love I love that By the way You Your goal um, Doesn't have to be It can be Something like that It can also just be Oh Liz Liz always says Christmas hard <sighs> Um, your goal can also just be uh, something like meeting your neighbors. Do you know your neighbors? Maybe that could be your civic-minded goal. Liz, do you have one?
2: You know, I do. I um, Since I just bought this house with my pals in Minnesota, I am going to um, re-register to vote here um, because, again, New York doesn't need me. Um, and I'm fine in New York, but I'm going to re-register to vote in I Minnesota. I got you covered
0: in New York, Liz. I got yep. you covered.
2: I feel really good about my peeps in New York and how they vote. And I really want to, um, I really, I really love Ilhan a lot. Like Ilhan is an acquaintance and a friend of mine. And I really think we need to do a lot of work in our communities around, um, anti-Muslim violence and, and so, that kind of thing. So I think I'm going to be working, um, with her office in trying to um, re-engage what it means to be pro-Palestinian and that that doesn't mean you're anti-Israel. And so I just really want to like take those opportunities. Um, it's been something that I've cared about a lot and I've talked to you a lot about, Nagin. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's really important to um, to help folks, you know, and as a white lady, you can bring white ladies in in a way that other people can't. So I'm going to I'm gonna bring in my white ladies. I'm going to gather uh- white ladies and have some conversations.
0: Liz Winstead was in my uh, my second movie called The Muslims Are Coming um, and she gets one of the biggest laughs in the movie because um, we were talking about the the Ground Zero Mosque and um, and and Liz was saying something. I don't even know if you remember this line of yours, but uh, you know, you, we were talking about the Ground Zero Mosque and you said, you know, I don't understand why people are up in arms about the Ground Zero Mosque because like every time, or the Islamic Center, because every time you step into a cab in New York City, you're in an Islamic Center. Yes. And um and it just is one of those every every screening I went to, it was just one of those lines that just the entire audience would burst out into huge laughter. Um so yes, this has been something that you that has you have been thinking about for a very long time. And I'm I'm actually I'm delighted that you both have very serious community-minded goals for 2022, but I also like uh like oh my gosh, you set the bar so high. <laughs> listeners your bar does not have to be that high i just want you to do anything that is community minded um all right thank you both so much for doing the show today i i feel like good and warm and uplifted by both of you going into this holiday season i would love for people of fake the nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things you do ali where do they do that
1: I am on Twitter at Ali Vingiano and Instagram at the real Ali Vingiano. Um, and my website's sallyvangiana.com. Those are all the places. And remind
0: us about the movie that we should oh, be watching. Because yes. a lot of us will have time to watch movies this uh, Christmas.
1: That's true. So um, the movie is called The End of Us. It is um, available on Amazon or iTunes or really anywhere where you buy or rent movies. Um, I I I'm in it. I My friends made it over COVID. It was like the one creative thing I was capable of doing over COVID. And um, it just was released in December. So you can check it out.
0: I can't wait to see it. It really looks like it's up my alley just having seen the trailer. So I'm so excited to see this movie, Allie. Oh, Thanks thank for, for the record. Thanks for being here. Liz, What should, where should people follow you?
2: Well, um, you can follow me on all the social media at Liz Winstead. And I spell my name with two Z's, which is like so embarrassing. Um, a <laughs> couple of things. We, through Abortion Access Front, just launched a weekly talk show called Feminist Buzzkills Live, where you can get all the updated information around abortion news and reproductive health and birth control and patriarchy and all of it and so with amazing guests um and you can get calls to action you can learn where you can be helpful you can hear from the people who these laws are happening to and what they're doing about it and we have amazing comedians and i and musicians on so i hope both of you will come on and be show, which would be really great and then i'm also for three nights if you're in the twin cities I'm doing three nights of a year-in-review show that I do every year. It's called "Bang the Dumb Slowly," and it's sort of a recap and a purge of all of the shit and some of the good stuff that happened in 2021. But if you just really want a catharsis, come. You got to be vaxxed. You got to be masked. Um, and uh, oh my
0: God, you have- go, you guys! I, this I've seen this show. Like she, like Liz said, she does it every year. M- uh, masterclass shit because it is like literally stuff that maybe happened in the last few weeks, and she's just like. Hardcore going at it. I it's will so barf it out. Funny. I will,
2: yeah, I'll be writing up until I hit stage so you won't miss a moment. I
0: have seen her literally with a notepad writing until she go on stage and then do, and present it as if it was Paul. Poly- I mean, it's like again, masterclass shit. Please, please follow. Um, all right, folks, you know, uh, where to find me and all the stuff that I do in case you're are in the mood. You can watch all of uh, Bird Girl season one on HBO Max. You can watch. My last film, Third Street Blackout, um, streaming on Peacock. Um, you can read all of my dumb shit everywhere. Um, but what I would really love to do is thank the people who make Fake the Nation possible. And oh my gosh, you know, we have, um, you know, these two wonderful souls who have just like stepped into Fake the Nation with zeal and aplomb, and, uh, and they just are so delightful. Uh, producing is Daniel Jones. Wesley and on um, sound engineering we have Stephanie Aguilar and I'm just so grateful to them uh, here as we round out 2021 Um, thank you thank you so much and uh, we want to thank everyone at HeadGum who makes this show possible we want to thank Gabby Alter for our beautiful theme music and as always um, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts it really helps people find their show you can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com that's fakethenation at headgum.com if you have any ideas for topics or panelists um, you can join the Patreon for bonus content at patreoncom slash Farsad. I really, really hope you have a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful whatever it is you celebrate Muslim Christmas as I celebrate. Um, and I uh, hope it's full of snacks and naps and we will be back in your earballs with a special New Year's episode next week.